Well, good evening. Welcome to Live at Five. Uh, we are a few minutes late, past five. I've uh, been having some issues with the internet. The internet was down, so I wasn't able to join. Uh, do let me know, you know, just comment, put something in the comments, put a thumb up. Uh, then I know that at least uh, we're working, that everything's going the way that it should do. Uh, but we're live, live at five, hopefully. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Paul. I'm one of the leaders at Kingfisher Church. Uh, and Live at Five is where we take about 30 minutes to look at a passage of the Bible together. And this evening we are going to be looking at Psalms 42 and Psalm 43. So often these Psalms uh, are considered a united composition. So firstly we've got uh, common themes that are repeated across the, the refrain uh, that's used across the two Psalms. Uh, and also there's, there's this thought that in the book of Psalms, similar to like Proverbs, uh, the sum is greater than the parts and there's a way that psalms are following on they're building on one another the way that they've been arranged uh, that's all to say that we're going to be looking at psalms 42 and 43 this evening uh, before we do that uh, bearing in mind the slightly manic uh, setup that i've had uh, with this uh, and to prepare our hearts uh, let's spend some time in prayer Father, as we come, as we set aside this time now or to read uh, from your word, or we pray that we would hear you speak. Lord, speak into our lives, bring challenge where we need challenge, comfort where we need comfort. But above all, Lord, may Christ be glorified. Father, may, may your name be lifted high. Lord, not only in in what we read, on what we meditate on, but in the way that we live our lives in response to your truth. Amen. Okay. Great. I see that you can see and hear me. So let's go. Psalm 42 and 43. Psalm 42. For the director of music, a masculine of the sons of Korah, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God. Under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan to the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taught me saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? 
Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Vindicate me, my God, and please my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your lights and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight, I will praise you with a lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Well, how do we pray when God feels far away? Uh, that's something, the question that we're going to be considering this evening. How do we pray when God feels far away? Now, perhaps that's your experience now. God seems distant. And if not now, chances are you will experience that at some point in your life. And it might be because of difficult circumstances. or It might just be, you know, everything around you seems okay, but God just seems distant. Life seems tough, even though the situation's fine. How do we pray when God feels far away? Now, well, the Psalms help us in this. These Psalms help us in this. The Psalms give us helpful patterns when we're not sure you know, what to bring. And they give us permission when we're not sure like, what we should pray, what we should be saying. And sometimes we can feel like we've got to have it all together before we come to God in prayer. Now, of course, we, we wouldn't say that we think that's the truth. And yet our actions often betray what we really believe. You know, I know I've found myself at times where I feel like I'm not worthy to pray. And so I'm just I'm going to wait for another day. Until I feel that I'm in a better place. And yet. Now, the Psalms give us this permission to pray. We're, we're called to pray, uh, to pray where we're at. We don't need to get ourselves into that better place. Uh, we come to God in prayer. We come where we're at and God meets us in that place. He meets us where we're at, but to take us forward, to move us to that better place. And we get this sense of progression uh, in Psalms 42 and 43. We're going to have a look uh, to see how this can help us. In our prayers, when God feels like he's far away. Uh, there are three anchor points uh, that we're going to be using uh, as we go through these psalms. Let me just bring those up on the screen now. Here we go. Uh, so uh, Psalm 42 verses 1 to 5. We're going to consider something about a prayer of pain. Uh, and then in verses 6 to 11, a prayer of perplexity. And then when we come to Psalm 50, uh, 43, this prayer of petition. And you'll notice here at the end of each uh, section, we find this repeated refrain. Uh, and that's what I've used to kind of mark these different sections. This repeated refrain where the psalmist speaks to themselves. Uh, and these are moments of reorientation. And where God is brought into the equation and when God is brought into the equation the current experience 
It is not equal to the final outcome. The current experience is not how the story ends when God is brought into the equation. So tonight we're going to use uh, these reorientating verses uh, to consider God's work of salvation uh, in his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and how this helps us in our prayer. So we're going to begin then uh, looking at Psalm 42 verses 1 to 5, a prayer of pain. Uh, Have a look with me, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Now, if you've been in church for uh, any amount of time, uh, certainly probably back in the 90s or around about that era, you probably heard the words of this psalm put to kind of tranquil sounding music. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You've got that image of the deer drinking gently from this rippling stream, satisfying itself with with cool water and yet the music the tune that these words are often put to i don't think does justice to the image that is meant to be invoked see the image here it isn't tranquil it's desperate the deer is panting the heat which they're experiencing is too much to bear and the self-sustaining power of the deer that the panting the self-sustaining power of the deer is at its absolute limit unless it finds a resource outside itself unless it finds these streams of water then the deer is going to die from the heat and that same sense of desperation is reflected by the psalmist saying so too my soul pants for you my god i'm not sufficient in this situation i need you i'm like this heat exhausted deer that needs water if i don't have you if you don't meet me i'm i'm at the end of myself now and i'm gonna perish And the image that we're given here is one of droughts and distance. Verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? And we see later in the verses, the psalmist appears to be geographically distant from the temple, the place of God's presence. They're facing oppression. They're facing mockery from enemies. And this is a psalm for when God feels far away. God feels far away. And we can share in that experience. When when God feels far away, perhaps when life's experiences are tough, again, as we said earlier, when life seems okay, but we're broken. Now there's conflict without, but there's also conflict from within. In January 2007, I just completed my first term of teacher training Uh, the course was going well i'd been excelling in all my assessments the oppressive heat it wasn't external it was internal Uh, and that january the beginning of january 2007 i remember lying prostrate on the floor i was listening to the song strength will rise and praying god i need you to be my strength and seeking to, to pray and sing along with a song. And the words just wouldn't come out. And tears were just streaming down my face. Lord, what should I do? I don't know what to do in this situation. Do I, do I continue in this course? I feel like you're leading me somewhere else. And yet you seem so far away. I, I don't know what to do. I was desperate. And yet God seemed 
far away. And for a period of days, I was just breaking down in tears. That tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? Perhaps that's experience that, that you know. It's certainly one that, that I do. Now, God did meet me in my need, but that's for another time. But in the moment that the psalmist expressed here, the rawness of the pain, that anguish, the salt gets rubbed into the wounds with this mockery of, well, where is God? And perhaps those voices come from outside. Those voices come from other people. Or it may be that the words that are rooted in the accuser, now they come in that eternal voice, spoken directly to our minds. Where is your God? And if God's so powerful, if God loves you, if God cares for you. Now words that are lies, but they're, they're lies that sting. And the psalmist continues to speak of this anguish in verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God. Under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praising among the festive throng. And the present situation is one of anguish because there's that, that sense, you know, this isn't how it's meant to be. You remember that the better days in the past, but now it's an experience of bitter days. This is a prayer of pain. And one of the things that I think these verses teach us is that there is a, a place for sharing uh, that rawness of grief and pain in prayer. And the Bible doesn't teach us to put on a happy face or to be stoic. And that's something that's important for us, uh, especially culturally as Brits. Now the question, how, how are things? Not bad. Can't complain. And kind of the way that we, we culturally respond is we're going to look on the bright side of life. Things aren't as bad as they possibly could be. It's a cultural mantra of getting through life. It's not as bad as it could be. And we avoid looking hardship directly in the face, possibly for fear of becoming undone. And yet when we keep ourselves from being overwhelmed by grief, we also keep ourselves from being even more overwhelmed by the grace and the mercy and the comfort that God brings us. Now, there is a place. There is a need to express the rawness of our pain in prayer. And this psalm, it gives us permission to do that. This need to express pain in prayer. It's a place where often we need to start, sometimes at a place that we, we bypass. And yet this isn't where prayer ends. Verse 5, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Well, the reasons are obvious, aren't they? We, we've just mentioned them. And yet the question's somewhat different. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Because the pain of your current experience, that's not how the story ends because God is saviour. 
the current experience is not how the story ends because God is Savior. And Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now yes, we need to bring our pain into our prayer, but don't just stop there. Now bring God into that pain. As we see now in verse 6. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, therefore I will remember you. Bring God into that pain. From the land of the Jordan to the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. And here, this land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, it paints this picture of distance, of separation. So the Jordan, you may recall, it was this barrier that the Israelites had to cross in order to get into the promised land. Now, the Jordan was in flood and there was no way that it could get across unless God opened the way. He dried up the water so that they could cross over. So in some ways, the Jordan's this barrier. And the image here of being by the heights of Hermon, being in the far north on the edge of the land. And here, where the Jordan starts to come together, uh, cascading waterfalls. And we get this barrier, the Jordan barrier here is a crashing waterfall. The psalmist feels outside God's blessing, thrown about, battered. It feels like being tossed around in these chaotic waters. And yet, I will remember you. Lord, I will remember you. And this remembrance leads to the psalmist speaking of, notice, your waterfall. Your waves. Now we started with this prayer of pain, but there's been this reorientation. And the chaotic experiences... Uh, that the psalmist is going through, now that we go through, that maybe even you're going through right now, they are under the sovereign power of God Almighty, your waterfalls. They're your waves. The chaos waters are not a rule to themselves. Above it all, God rules and God reigns. Now, and we considered this last week, uh, or two weeks ago, when we we're looking at Psalm 121. Now, the sovereignty of God, it doesn't answer all our questions. It doesn't remove the pain of a situation. And yet this reorienting truth is something that we need to hold on to. Life is not out of control. The world is not spinning wildly out of control. Now, God is not behind suffering in the sense that he takes delight and pleasure in suffering. But God stands above it all in the sense that he's in complete control even over the chaos waters and then verse 8 by day the lord directs his love at night his song is with me a prayer to the god of my life and here god is referred to by his covenant by his relational title the lord see god not only stands above and over our afflictions he enters into them God's not a distant God. He's a delivering God. It's the truth that we see most clearly expressed in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, the crucified and exalted Saviour. And we are reorientated when we look at Jesus. 
If you need that evidence that God loves you, then we look to the cross. See, whilst we were still sinners, whilst we were still God's enemies, how did God respond? Christ died for us, the godly for the ungodly, to bring us to himself. If you need evidence that God loves you, don't look at your circumstances to prove that. Look to the cross. And then even in the darkest of nights, that song of God's love rings out. If you need evidence of God's power, look to the empty grave. Look to the exalted and the ascended Christ who rules, who reigns above all, who is exalted far above all power and all authority that in this age and in the age to come. God is not cold in his affection. He's not weak in his power towards you. And we need this reorientation. But as we move from this rawness of pain, now we may find ourselves then in this place of perplexity. This prayer of perplexity. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taught me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Perhaps our prayers take a slightly different focus. God, you are not cold in your affections. You are not weak in your power towards me. So, so why? Why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this situation? Why am I still oppressed? Why am I still taunted and there are times where our knowledge of God and our experience of life they just don't seem to to match up perhaps you felt that now I, I know I have that's something what's expressed here in this psalm and if nothing else now these verses may well be an encouragement to you and helping you see you're not alone in that experience it's not unusual. There are times in life where our knowledge and our understanding of who God is and our experience just doesn't seem to make sense. And that's okay. And there's this place to cry out, why God? I don't understand it. I'm, I'm holding on to the truth of who you are. I see that revealed in the cross. I see that revealed in the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. I don't understand this situation. Do once again, this is a legitimate, even a necessary prayer. But again, it's also not where prayer stops. Verse 11, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Well, once again, the reasons are obvious. We've just mentioned them. Again, the question is somewhat different. Why are you downcast, my soul? The perplexity of this current situation is not how the story ends. Because God is saving. And we need to say to ourselves, you know, in those moments where it feels like God has abandoned us. When nothing makes sense, well, what does it mean for God to be saviour? 
What does it mean for God to be saviour in this situation, in my current experience? And this is what Jesus said in John 6. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. And perhaps we find ourselves asking, well, how can I know that I'm one of those that the Father has given to Jesus what well, is evidenced by our coming to Jesus. And then Jesus says, whoever comes, whoever comes, not just a select few, but whoever comes, I will never drive away. Now, he will not forget it. Now, that, that disconnect between what we know of God and our current experience is not because God has forgotten us. Something else is going on. And there's this place for prayers of perplexity. But again, we're not to remain there. We need to wrestle it through. We bring our perplexity in prayer, but then we also bring God into our perplexity. Whoever comes to me, Jesus says, I will never drive away. And so that experience of a feeling God has forgotten us, has driven us away, that isn't the answer. That's not why we're going through this experience. This reorientation which pushes us forward then uh, into these prayers of petition. So Psalm 43, prayers of petition. Vindicate me, my God. And please my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? And the words here in verse 2 of Psalm 43, they're similar to what we've just read in Psalm 42, but the context gives them a different tone. We've moved from this cry of despair to a cry for deliverance. God, you are my stronghold. And so this is not how the story should end. See, this is a prayer now that's not looking for answers. It is a prayer that is looking for action. And so verse three, send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. And the image that comes to mind here, certainly for me, is that of that fiery, you know, the fiery cloudy pillar. The one that led the Israelites through the wilderness, that gave them light by night. That led them into the promised land. You remember the imagery from the dilemma of Psalm 42, feeling outside God's promised land. Away from his presence, far away from the temple. And hear the prayer, send me your light. Send that fiery, cloudy pillar into my darkness. God, may your presence lead me to the place of your presence. The scripture tells us that, that now our current experience, it is one of groaning, one of longing, groaning with a whole of creation. Longing for that final day when heaven and earth reunite. When the kingdom is seen in all its fullness, when dwelling place of God is here with us forever in all its fullness, in all its completeness. And, and until that moment, we, we grumble. Sorry, we don't grumble. We uh, we groan. But we don't 
grow in it and we don't stumble alone. The exalted Lord Jesus Christ has poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit on his people, on the church. The presence of God, the presence of God to keep us, the presence of God to lead us. God's presence leading us to the place of his presence. And so to be a Christian, it's not to to sit back and just wait for eternity. This isn't a hold on and hope. It's a pray and press on. Now, we certainly don't have time to to look at it. We started a bit late uh, this evening, but just take a few moments uh, after this a time when you're free. Now, look how the early church prayed in Acts 4. Now, when they faced affliction. How this prayer looked for them. God, send us your light, your faithful care. Let them lead us. Fill me. Fill us afresh with your spirit. Now, do you have that sense of urgency in praying? It's a question I have to ask myself. Do I have this sense of urgency? Do I have the sense of urgency for God's sustaining power like a deer pants for those streams of living water? Now, and if not, perhaps it's because we've avoided looking hardship in the face. We've thought that stoicism is a Christian virtue. Now, perhaps we've thought that faith means never feeling troubled rather than faith being and bringing all our troubles to our God and our Saviour. Do we press on, press on and pray, Lord, send me your light, lead me. And we have not because we ask not. There are, are many deliverances that we can experience in this life now. And yet God's presence also keeps us. Keeps us for that day of great deliverance, the ultimate deliverance, the new creation. The redemption of our bodies, the reuniting, the complete union of of heaven and earth where God dwells with his people forever. That day where finally every tear will be wiped away. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight, I will praise you with a liar, O God, my God. And Jesus said to his disciples, to you, if you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ today, he said, in this world you will have trouble. Take heart. I have overcome the world. So how do we pray? How do you pray when God feels far away? Now these Psalms help us to pray. Pray prayers of pain. Pray prayers of perplexity. And pray prayers of petition. Because as you lift your eyes beyond the present trials to Christ. You will see that your present Experience your present circumstances. They don't define how the story ends. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. 
for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that because of your grace towards us in Christ, that our present circumstances, our present experiences, is not how the story ends. Lord, there is a greater glory. One that outshines all the trials and sufferings and questions and perplexity and pain that we face now. Father, we pray that you would keep us and you would stir within our hearts. Lord, that this hunger, this thirst for you that we would see as we look hardship directly in the face. Lord, that we have no strength in ourselves, that we are completely undone and that it will drive us in prayer to seek you. Lord, your presence to lead us to your presence, to keep us to that day of experiencing your presence. Lord, that we would cry out and even now be experiencing deliverances of many kinds, even as we await for that final day where our deliverance will be complete. Lord, may we be those who don't stop, who don't stop crying out. Lord, who are constantly turning to you and your grace that is given to us in our great God and Saviour the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, stir our hearts and keep our hearts. Lord, in accordance with your good pleasure and purpose. Amen. Well, thank you uh, for joining us this evening live at five next week. Uh, we're back. Rich is going to be continuing through Proverbs. And uh, home group uh, this week, we're going to have a little look again at Psalms 42 and 43 and how we can apply them to our lives. Thank you. See you soon.